Hi guys, thanks for listening to today's episode of Cosmic Children. Uh, today here with us in the studio, we have Ansid, i.e. Executive Director Timothy Seat and Creative Director Nidia Hartono. Say hi guys. Hello. Sup. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so um, uh, yeah, let's talk to you. Let, let's hear a little bit about Ansid and what you guys do as a company and as well as a little bit more about yourself. <laughs> Jesus, take the wheel. <laughs> <laughs> Who's Jesus in this no. <laughs> don't um, pass it, don't pass it. <laughs> so unsaid, um, actually Tim has been an unsaid a lot longer than I have. Um, yeah. So he can probably tell you more about the... <laughs> sure. Well, <laughs> such a great... Passing the bucks over. Oh, really? segue. <laughs> the ton pass. Um, so unsaid is, is an organization that aims to raise awareness and advocacy of social issues through the arts. And we primarily work with young artists in Singapore. Um, we started in... Okay, we originally... when We, we started in 2016. Um, that was our first iteration of Unsaid um, when it was a when we really did not know what the fuck we were doing um, we were like we had to be legitimate um, and so we were like okay let's sign up for Accra gotcha <laughs> so we were Unsaid LLP for like a year actually and before that actually Unsaid started in like the true date we all met was actually in June 2015 but um, yeah I mean that's more stories to hear um and yeah, that's essentially unsaid. In a nutshell, we do multidisciplinary arts, interdisciplinary arts, um, and we do it on a very collaborative basis. Um, yeah, hi, I'm Tim. Hi. Wait, what am I supposed to do next? <laughs> oh, well, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and your role within Unsaid? Yeah, um, so I'm the creative director of Unsaid. I came into Unsaid when I got back to Singapore like almost a year ago now. Um, and it was something that I felt was aligning with my values and Tim kind of like pulled me in from the very start. Um, Poached. Actually, yeah. So actually like three, was it three years now? Three years ago, three years. 2016, for a play that they put out called Every Singaporean Daughter. Yeah. Tim somehow managed to convince me to stand in the middle of Orchard Road, like busiest like parts of Orchard Road during Shine Fest. During Shine Fest, like across the street from like Marine, uh, was that Mandarin, Mandarin Gallery? Gallery. Um, in like my sports bra and like short shorts, and had like people uh, draw all over my body. Well, like one person, one person. The project no. was like about. Um, because we crowdsourced stories for every yes. single daughter. So we wrote like in red, uh, bad things, um, like negative things people said about, or negative experiences, negative words that were used. And we also painted on like blue, which meant like positive. I think um, we wanted to show like there was a plethora of thoughts yeah. and stories out there, not just bad ones. There were good ones also that we wanted to showcase. But also thank you, Nidia, for doing <laughs> that for us because... <laughs> was great it was great it was the start of a beautiful friendship what's up what's up <laughs> how was your experience doing that though is it your first time doing like a, being part of an art installation yeah that was yeah that was my first time um it was really terrifying mm. i was like the entire time the only thing I was, that was going through my head was like i really hope i don't see my parents faces in the crowd yeah because i was like standing on like a box so mm. like everyone could see me from like you know, kilometers away. Yeah. <laughs> um, Can I just say that she never told me this? 
when during the entire day, and I've only learned about it this year. Okay. <laughs> so I really hope I don't see my parents. But um, other than that, it was more of just like the act of putting your body out for mm. anyone to just like look and stare and judge, you know, was kind of terrifying. But at the same time, um, I'm really glad I did it because like, I think I like, I don't know, I grew some tits on that day. <laughs> figuratively. Yeah, figuratively. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> no, literally. <laughs> Nidia, your body is beautiful. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it was great. It was a really good experience. And I look back at it like with with fondness and I'm really I, I grew a lot I think from that experience as well like and not a lot a lot but just like in ways of like um in terms of like the way that I view my own body and the way that I like view myself like at a certain point I was just like you know what this is just the body like I'm not like I like separated my identity gotcha. from it for a second Honestly, like, thank you so much for doing yeah, that. Because yeah. honestly, like I would death. not do it. I would. You ask me now, so I will not do this. Like, go and stand your underwear and be painted. In Orchard Road. And, like, you know. Yeah, I mean, it was great. Yeah. <laughs> but what do you do as the creative director? Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> I just stand naked on the streets. <laughs> hey, man. Sounds about right. Sounds, Sounds about right. way to sell tickets. <laughs> Um, so as a creative director, I um, help to conceptualize and like realize the visual identity of Unsaid and the aesthetics of Unsaid. Um, and one thing that we kept to was just like making sure that it was bold, but at the same time, um, keeping it a little bit playful. So we didn't want it to be too serious that people felt it was inaccessible, like it was, you know, going to be art on white walls, you know, like something that. Uh, not to say like museums are inaccessible, but they can be. Um, so we didn't want to like veer too much in that direction, just mm. in case, because like our target audience essentially is everybody who yep. doesn't agree with us and everybody who like uh, thinks it's not for them. Because it is for everybody. It's mm -hmm. like it's it's meant to. That's why like a lot of the previous works, um, I wasn't involved, but like. Um, Tim can talk more about it, but like most of them are crowdsourced stories, yep. and um, I think that aspect of it is very important to understand. Is that like these stories aren't just from our perspective, but it's from everybody's perspective, especially like speaking of like um, the population of Singapore, like not just one specific demographic, but like coming from all kinds of backgrounds, you know. So yeah, I think that's something that we want to keep authentic too. Yeah, I agree, man. It was honestly said. You look like you were about to say something. Um, so what I do as the executive director is just mainly handling like the business side. Um, but honestly, I think like the term executive director means you just gotta do everything. Sounds about right. Um, I mean, like I I do oversee everything within the the Unset brand. Um, whether as the executive producer, whether I'm just there as a production assistant. Um, like, yeah, I mean, I dip my hands wherever I can. I mean, I trust, like, the people I work with to do their stuff. I think it's just more for me to see things on a bigger picture. Um, and I think I think the biggest um, thing as the executive director of Unset for me was to just always dream. Um, I, like, I use Unset as, like, my vehicle for, like, innovation and things mm. and how I can really not just like 
think innovatively in the arts that I'm involved in, but also just like how can I make Unsaid a more interesting company? How can I make activism more interesting? How can I make arts more interesting? How can I make education more interesting? Like definitely a lot. And I just keep, I hopefully I still do like keep ideating and things and trying to see what works and what doesn't, what could be really interesting, what could be really provocative. Um, yeah, and finances. Yeah. What about finances? Money. God. I mean, <laughs> look, it's why it's an entire industry. <laughs> okay. It is not something that you can Google, you know. I've learned so much about Excel. <laughs> Could you elaborate? Yeah. Oh my God, I know all the shortcuts. You know, <laughs> I know how to sort through things. Um, and I legitimately like use Excel for math. And I type it out. It's it's Damn. coming up next episode. Is uh, how to use Excel. To <laughs> All the shortcuts. All the shortcuts, but for artsy people. I am I'm particularly curious as to why you two as individuals would want to do this. Yeah. What mm. what was the spurring motivation that actually inspired you guys to do this? Mm. So I feel like. Maybe they're different for both of us because yeah. um, for me personally, Unsaid just kind of like came into my periphery through a mutual friend of ours. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Benjamin Cher. Wow, at Benjamin. Um, Benjamin. <laughs> gotcha. Um, what do you he do? He bullied me in seventh grade. Okay, so whatever. <laughs> oh, he bullied you in seventh grade. <laughs> no, 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 no. Wow. We got over hey, it. It's me fine. Too. We're friends. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're hey. all friends. Nay, you little bitch. Befriend your bullies. That's my life. That's the way. Um. Anyway, so. And I've always been involved in like the intersection between art and activism. Um, and it started since uh, my college days. I went to Emerson College, which is like a really like liberal art school, like in the middle of the city, just like a bunch of people who do a lot of weird shit. What know? do you mean by liberal? Um, so liberal arts meaning like it's a communication school, but you also learn like uh, like it's more holistic. So there are like different electives that you can take like world history, uh, geography, da, da, da. It's not just, like, your major specifications. Gotcha. Um, so, in that sense, like, I got a pretty well-rounded education in terms of, like, wanting to learn more about social movements that, you know, subjects that I was interested in learning. So, I had the privilege of being able to learn about social movements as, like, a course, which is really cool. Um, and as I, like, got deeper into that and, like, learning more about, like, the different kinds of, like systems that are at play that like have always been at play um and and we haven't really broken them necessarily like the 70s kind of did something and then like the 90s happened but then like we're still in that uh current movement right now in singapore i think we're kind of stuck in in the 90s a little bit but like um there it's there isn't like uh i feel like in singapore not a lot of people like want to publicly talk about politics that is uh you know not agreeing with the government necessarily like um and if you do you get in trouble blah blah blah. so like it kind of stops conversation from happening Mm. um so like when unsaid came into my periphery through uh ben and tim i was like wow this is perfect because it was literally everything that i've always wanted to do but they were already doing it so Mm. i yeah the first thing i wanted to do was really just hop on board when i got the chance to when i graduated um 
Timothy? I mean, okay, my my history with Unsit and I guess why um, I'm in Unsit still um, definitely is like a lot of layers. It's a lot of... Unsit was a lot of growth for me. Gotcha. Um, Unsit was the first ever non-school, very own self, very startup thing that yep. I ever did. Um, I mean, so the story goes is, um, I mean, I... I realized that I couldn't afford to go to to art schools overseas. Mm. And it was just like, it's just hella expensive. And I realized that, okay, you know what? I would be like, okay, fuck arts. You know what? I just go be a best NTU student. Um, I just like going to do my, during my holidays, I'm going to like intern and charity, you know, build up that resume. Yeah. Um, live my best Singaporean life. And when Unset came in, so I, I came into Unset. So Unset started in June 2015 when um, basically we were coming together as a group of like students and young people mm. wanting to do a play, um, which was eventually titled Every Singaporean Daughter. It was, and the original idea was to do a localized version of the vagina monologues, of the Ooh, vagina monologues. What is the vagina monologues? Um, the vagina monologues. Do you want to take this? Uh, it is how many? Okay, so it's a. I can't remember how many exactly. Yeah, it's a play. Well, a series of monologues that was written. Um, oh my god, I'm forgetting the writer's name. Okay, I'm like blanking. <laughs> writer's name. Is okay, Nick is googling it. But we also like it was written years back. Yeah. But essentially, it was to get like writers to write new monologues, but and like about their Singaporean experiences. Um, I mean, definitely coming in. So I came in because, you know, I did theatre and then like, I was like, okay, I'll come in, I produce. Yeah. I, knew, I knew what like the innings of theatre was and and like the different insights and like what were the systems. Okay. The Vagina Monologues, a play by Eve Ensler, written in 1996. So like a good... Thank you, Nick. Damn, like long ago. But um, yeah, so... Um, we came in and I think so we were, okay, we decided, okay, we knew who everyone's roles were, what everyone's roles were. And um, so this was because, like, this was orchestrated by, like, um, like Unset's founders, um, Chris Nin and Wong Sok Ting. Because um, Chris was based in, was in Tufts at that time, also in Boston. And she watched a version there. And she wanted to bring it back in Singapore. And I think when I came in, I mean, definitely we restructure. We yep. agreed that maybe like 25 monologues would not be great, like for a very young theatre scene. Um, and we will... Yo, what's up, guys? <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Please continue. Um, oh my God. Yeah. And we realised that we started to think, about, okay, we need to do marketing, right? We wanted to reach out to people that wouldn't usually... Uh, so, okay, wait. So we okay. We decided that instead of a monologue, we will do a very like traditional narrative structure for place. Okay, not really traditional but like a story based with main characters, so a fiction, a piece of fiction, but inspired by crowdsourced stories. Then we realized that okay, first we need to get crowdsourced stories. Yes. Then we okay get crowdsourced stories. But what do we need to do to get crowdsourced stories? Ask people, go out and people. We really thought a lot of strategies. We really try our best for a lot of ideas. We wanted to go to... We think, okay, we can create online presence to hit the younger people. But we were like, then do we go to the super... Like the wet markets to get like all these like auntie and uncle stories. Because mm. like they had no access to um, like the internet then. It's wow, really long ago, man. Um, yeah, so uh, we, read, we, started, okay, we started thinking of like marketing ideas that became its own series. And we realized like, honestly, we should set up a company. It just made like, sense. Like, yeah, exactly. It made, like, complete sense. We wanted to be, like, legit. So, and 
I mean, it turned out to be a great thing. Honestly, a great accident by that sense. We really try our best, right, to find out what LLP, Private Limited, and all these kind of stuff, man. Like, we <laughs> came with no, like, no inkling of what we were going to do. And, um... So we did it, but we we asked around people. Honestly, we got some terrible advice at that time. <laughs> um, and finally, when we registered, we were like, okay, then we created stuff. Um, and I think that's when, and that was the point where I was just like, answer is a side project. Like, you know, I'm still a student first. Yeah. But it just so happened that like arts and like activism and working experience all folded into that one thing. So it made sense for me to just stick with it. Um, what really made me stay with Unset? even up till now and trying to see how to, you know, do stuff, um, really was when I realised that, like, firstly, like, there was so much, that, no, not worse, there is so much talent in Singapore. There is so much raw potential, refined potential, just strengths in many, many areas and many, many sectors that we didn't see. Like, coming from theatre, I didn't know anyone in the photography, videography world. Mm. Um, our first project was a photography project. Our second project was a, vi- a video project. Yeah. And I realised that, like, I started meeting so many new people, so many talented people with, like, great work. Mm. And that was, like, my first thing. It's like, damn, like, there's so much. And, and there were also so many out there that were planning on, like, giving it up. Oh, um, and I see that you know in like friends who I always thought were talented, not going and pursuing the arts. And I mean, nothing wrong with that. Like mm. you know, everyone has their own life and their own life choices. But I realized that there was just so much talent in young people that no one saw, and no one knew. Um, and that was just like the first layer of why I stayed in Unsaid. Um, the second layer also happened in twenty sixteen when so um, Unsaid. We, we kind of struck gold. Uh. We went viral uh, in 2016 with... Um, we did a video called The Privileged Walk. Mm. And um, and this was when we had like 1 to 1.5k likes on our Facebook page. And we were like, 1 to 1.5k? <laughs> what? <laughs> um, Could you explain a bit about what The Privileged Walk is? Yeah, so The Privileged Walk, it's not a original concept by far. Um, it's something that... BuzzFeed did earlier that year mm. and it's something that I found out also was it's, it's done in like orientation camps um, and I think I mean um, the American like the Americans did it a lot yeah, more than honestly yeah. like more so than I ever heard I think like schools in Singapore did it also but I didn't really hear about them like I didn't attend orientation <laughs> <laughs> um, and and so we did it, but we rewrote the questions to make it more local. Mm. And we did it, um, shout out to Gash Club who let us use their office space. Um, and we did it there and like that video went like crazy. Like I remember waking up the next day and like we had like 20,000 views. And I was like, the fuck? Mm. What the fuck? I boosted like $10 because <laughs> you know, that's all I fucking had in my bank account. Mm. Um, and I was just like, we'll just see lah. Honestly, maybe we'll just hit like 10k, you gotcha. know, like that'll be great. Yeah. We hit 20k and it started growing and growing because we released it on National Day on 9th August 2016. And this was a project after every Singaporean daughter had been finished. Like we had completed a play already. Yes. So it was just like, you know what? It's interesting. Let's just carry on doing stuff. Yeah. And it went viral and like we hit like 3K like likes um, and followers on Facebook. We hit like 160,000 views. I mean, Facebook views, lah, so not necessarily the most real, but like we had a thousand plus comments. And a I was thousand just, plus? Yeah, Jesus. I was just like, what? 
Like everyone's just like, and there's just such a mix of people saying like privilege exists, privilege doesn't exist and all this. But it was also at a very interesting point where I realised that the comments were not hateful. They were not super aggressive as I've seen online. They were pretty like, okay, like I can handle this shit, you mm. know? Like people flaming us and like, what the fuck are you doing? And I'm like, just doing law. Um, and I realised then like, you know, like, it was possible uh, to kind of showcase and talk about these issues. And it was in a place where I realised that we definitely did stuff that we were very aware of in terms of making things very accessible. So that was like layer two. Like I realised that honestly that we had some level of success. And I mean, that's real because uh, like if we failed, like oh. I don't think I would have carried on. I don't know. Like this was four years ago. So it kind of... Um Bolden you to, yeah, to take a step forward. Yeah, it kind of like legitimized a lot of things. Like, okay, we did play, a video went viral and mm. this was all within like eight months and we were like, what is happening? And we had people, we were talking to a lot of people. So, um, there was layer two, like, it was really just like the idea of like, you know, this is viable. This is possible to be sustainable and long living. Um, I think the third layer came 2016 was a very formative year for me. <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> um, when I spoke at the Singapore Youth Conference in okay, 2016, I was, um, I was asked to talk about arts and youths in Singapore. Because um, NYC was one of our... Shout out to NYC... Um, National Youth, <laughs> National youth Council. Council. Yeah. Um, uh, they were one of the sponsors for Every Singaporean Daughter, the play. And <clears throat> so they invited me to talk at Singapore Youth Conference. I was fucking excited. I was like, what the fuck? They were like, 300 people are going to listen to you. Then I was like, what the fuck? Like, no one <laughs> listens to me. And now suddenly got 300 yeah. people. Um, and I was like, and like, they wanted to hear what I had to say based on the past work that I did. And yes. like that, well, that was like a real trip for me. Like, I was like, okay. Um, so I did it. And I remember writing a speech. I was damn, like, I was like, whoa, I will have draft one, two, three, four, five. <laughs> I will ask, I will Skype my friend Marie, who was based in Boston. Yeah. And she was the one who actually introduced me to Unset, um, introduced me to Chris and Sok. Um, and I would like read it out to her. I was like, no, 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 you need to hear it in my voice. <laughs> you know, I start, oh my God, wait, I need to explain this speech, like how I did it. And it was so wanky. I mean, in hindsight, but at the time I thought it was okay. I made, I wrote, I got a friend to write a story for me. Yes. On, Racism. Mm -hmm. And the story goes like um, this, like um, Chinese passing Malay girl. Um, like people thought she was Chinese because she was fairer skin and things like that. Mm. Um, and she would be complimented for looks. Um, hey, sorry, sorry. She wasn't, uh, she was a fair skin Chinese Indian. She was interracial. Gotcha. Right. And um, she was, uh, and she went to buy food and she could speak fluent Mandarin and yeah. Tamil and things like that. Um, she also could speak Malay. Okay, I can't really remember the story, but it was about <laughs> along those lines of that. She was yes. actually um, Eurasian. I got my friend like, like um, Zam Husref to write it for me. He was my NTU friend. I met NTU. Yeah. English lit. Um, and so I, I read that story. It was like a good two minute story. It was a very short story, but it was, it was the main issue, the main thing was like, I was trying to flesh out that like, um, that like racism or microaggressions can be very real in Singapore and don't judge a book by its cover. So I got my friend um, from NDO also and I did like, I used my Oppo phone and I <laughs> no. recorded a high def video of her and made it into a GIF. So my first slide, right, wasn't anything about me. Mm. My first slide was like them, was just her face, my friend's face. Shout out to Ama. <laughs> and like reading that story and I was just trying to prove a point yeah. that like captivated them that like art, is able to engage you in a way that sometimes like commercial stuff may not or just like 
saying things like art is can be used very accessibly for social issues. Um, so I started going more talking about art and I remember I know my next slide right was like a four word thing it was like racism uh, racism classism um, a whole bunch of stuff like just kind of LGBTQIA P plus issues gotcha all that and I was just like I was having like I was having a fucking TED talk moment <laughs> <laughs> and also and this was during the period so I was kind of going all for it I was so prep guys um, yeah. and girls and women because you know <laughs> inclusive language yeah um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a real thing okay language is very biased this is the first thing you learn in English literature it kind of frames the world yeah okay but anyway <laughs> anyways I don't want this damn deep conversation we'll get to that um, later and then it was during the time when Joseph, Josephine Teo like made these the remarks like you know you only need a small space for sex because like you oh, know okay. aging population so that was the period. Now I entered Singapore Youth Conference and this is no shade to anyone and, and they've reframed it like NYC has. Um, I thought it was going to be all youths. And my speech was very we, we, we do everything. Mm. I entered and like people were like 30, 40 years old and I was like, ah. and I was like the youngest and I was like, and at that time I was like 22. Yikes. So I was like super stressed out. I rewrote my speech to like, because I realized that it, it was the leaders of youth organizations. So okay, now everything makes sense. It was mm. like a symposium. But I realized I'm literally over there like changing like the words of like, you know, the people you, the youths you work with and me and things <laughs> like that. Mm. Um, and I realized that why, why there was such a disconnect, you know, like we were in a single youth conference and like there were a handful of like young people. Um, I mean, those young at heart, good for you. <laughs> um, and like Joseph, Josephine Teo said those remarks again. And then at that time also, um, our senior minister of state also was one of the guest speakers and he mentioned something along the same lines. So I was, I was getting very frustrated during the entire morning. Um, so I had the privilege of, since, because I was the executive, because I am the exec executive director of UNSAID, I had the privilege of going for a closed door dialogue session with our the Minister of Community and Culture and Youths and Sports. Mm, that was not accurate. But MCCYS. <laughs> MCCYS, okay. Yeah, gotcha. um, like Minister Grace Fu. Yes. For a closed door session with the other executive directors. So, okay, like, first it started a bit awkward. Like, there were a couple of questions. Then I was like, wow, Tim, this is like... The moment. It's now or never. Like, yeah. you have better say yourself. Because honestly, I still look around. Everyone here is still older. And I was like one of the youngest. Mm. I raised my hand and I was like... Um, I was like, greet everyone. I was like, hey, um, after this morning's... Like, um, like, SYC stuff, you know, like, great and all. Like, I felt that youths were being spoken for and not spoken with. Mm. And it's why, and like, you think that we're apathetic, but we're not. You just don't understand our language. We communicate a lot through social media. Um, it's why, and, and we also fight a lot and believe a lot in grassroots and community building. It's why, like, organizations like Unsaid, Hidden Good, and a lot more now have also started. Like, it's why youths are coming and banding together. Mm -hmm. And I felt like, and what well, that kind of, I mean, that kind of put me out there and like, I guess, but I was saying it as a 22 year old executive director of a company mm. that was created for youths by youths. Yes. And I felt like at that moment, like that was my third and honestly the most like, the, the one that made me seal my belief and hopes in Unsaid. Because I realized that like, fuck, really man, we're not being, like we're speaking with each other a lot, right? Mm. And but we're not speaking out there more even. I mean, there, there are people there and all there, but not enough, you know? And we are the generation that is going to take over Singapore. We are the gen... Like, take over the fucking world. Mm. 
and we were communicating at that time. Like, I mean, around that period, uh, social media like Facebook proved to be a very useful resource and tools for the use of in Yemen during mm. all those riots and mm. the civil war. So there was all this kind of shit and. I was realizing that there was a lot more to kind of like capitalize my focus on young people. And it's up to something that I still do today, like in all my other jobs. Like I quite exclusively work with people around my age. My target audiences are always around people around my age. Because I think I know no one else better yeah. but who than who I am and who I'm around. And that was something that I felt like really made me stay with Unsaid. Um, because... I felt like there's so much value and potential in it and I didn't want to let it go to waste. I'm not saying that we are super successful. I'm not saying that we're always sustainable, you know, but I just wanted to get shit done and I saw Unset as the vehicle to do so. Sorry, long answer. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. So, so you, you, you notice that there's a disconnect between youths and people Other of a different generation. Yeah. Like generations that hold power. Mm. Mm-hmm. And that was the biggest thing for me. Like, we as youths are also powerful, but we're not being heard. And maybe sometimes we don't try to reach out all the time. Because, I mean, it can be frustrating, but... Could I, it be because we're scattered? That we don't have something to fight for? I mean, okay, I see it two ways. I, mm. I think it's a yes and no. Mm. Like, Yes, in the sense we are scattered, we're in different places, we are then different segments of youth out there. But no, in the sense that, honestly, like, let's just kind of talk about like social media statistics and things like that. It's still generally populated by young people. Mm-hmm. And like, we can find a united voice. And there has been so many countless examples of people becoming a united voice. Um, and it's not impossible. I mean, it's difficult, it's tedious. But we are the generation that's going to come next. We really are, like, honestly. And we're starting to become that, really. Yeah. We have a lot more purchasing power. Mm-hmm. And, I really wanna, and I really want us to start thinking about, like, these social issues. Uh. And, I mean, and, I mean, that's why this disconnect. I mean, I, I think youths have really also pushed the envelope on, like, activism. Um, and what activism is today. Like, we are really talking so much more about it. Yes. Yeah, and... I mean, these socio-political issues are very real. Mm-hmm. And what got me that time was like, you know, at, like when we were younger and people were like, oh, young people are so apathetic to politics. Mm, I've heard that before. I'm yeah. like, honestly, fuck no, we are not. Like, we're still talking about social issues and like people don't realise this, but social issues a lot of times, a lot of the times has have political implications. Yes. So we are talking about politics. We're just framing it very differently. But I think it's so interesting why we're framing it as social issues because we know that it's a something that we've got to come together mm-hmm. and do. It's not just leave it to the government. Not mm-hmm. just that. The power is in our hands and the only way to grow it is for us to band together as... Okay, like not as one, it's very kumbaya, <laughs> but honestly, like... <laughs> every, sharing the same views, coming... Mm-hmm around meeting different communities, meeting in different segments, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. And just getting the conversation started and keeping it going, really. Because, like, I mean, I feel like we also have our you know, predecessors to thank, like mm. people who have, activists who have come before us. So um, much Yeah, we've paved the way and for to allow us to even have the space to talk and, you know, do, do what we do. But um, 
at the same time, like, I think there needs to be more of a, like, a, a conversation as opposed to a debate. Because yeah. a lot of the times when it stays on the internet, it becomes a thing where, like, you can hide behind a avatar or, like, a, a monitor and you can just, like, attack people because you mm. feel like fighting that day, you yeah. know? Like, and you might not even have a point, but, mm. like, you just feel like fighting, so you just say something mean. Yes. And then it just aggravates the other party yeah. and just blows up. But, like, you know, it's not really productive, honestly. And it, it is a tool, social media and the internet everything. That can be a tool in order to, like... Uh, spread a certain message or whether to like spread an ideology or discuss something but I think we've kind of abused it at this point um so yeah I really do believe in like grassroots efforts and like in terms of having conversations with people face to face and having like panel discussions yeah. um you know for example or like open mic stuff like that like Destination Inc is a really great organization that does that um and yeah just kind of like meeting people and and see and instead of hiding behind something and and feeling like you know you're you're some like big shot like yeah, <laughs> yeah. so and, yeah sorry please go ahead no i mean okay i've i've had, i've ever since i've decided to own this moniker as an activist mm. like i've been having a lot of conversations around what being an activist means yes. you know and <clears throat> how i see it is that like it's I always see it as like I always say I'm okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be mother patient because like honestly, I think activism is like our our activist ancestors. Um, they would they built the soil, they put the pot in, and all this kind of. They start the seed. It's about that growing society, growing the world in mm. a positive fashion. You know, um, no, in in a real fashion, in one where it becomes more inclusive and safe, um, and. I always say that honestly, like right now, like I'm, 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 I can accept the fact that, like, some social issues will not come through. I, I can accept the fact that maybe in my lifetime, like Singapore may never, never legalize gay sex mm. or something like that. But it's just like respecting and honoring the works of past activists, older activists, different generations of activists and artists and whatnot, and still carrying on. It's not. It's about taking ownership but realizing that there is so much history behind it mm -hmm. and you've got to be respectful of it. And I mean, to everyone who says they are an activist, like you've got to respect that and respect the fight that they had to go through and mm -hmm. continue it. Um, it's just about continuously like pushing, you know, and you can never let it stop because if you let it stop, like, Will it regress? Will it just stay at status quo or whatnot? Like, you'll never really know. So you just got to keep trying to push boundaries, push buttons. Yeah. Like, a good analogy that um, a friend of mine actually, like, brought to my attention was, like, the La Sagrada Familia. The one in this giant cathedral that's been building for, like, decades in mm -hmm. Barcelona and Spain. Um, it's, like, building the grounds without knowing what the ceiling is going to look like. So, okay. like basically like the idea that you're planting the seed and you're just trusting that the next generation is going to take this vision and, and take it in their own hands and, and keep building towards that. Mm. Um, and, and being able to like also let go a little bit and not feel like, Oh, you know, you have to completely have control over like a movement because, you know, ultimately a movement is built by people, not yes. by like leaders or anything. Um, so that idea of like, 
maybe it'll take years and years to build. You know, maybe yeah. two generations after us will, you know, only then they'll see three seven seven eight being repealed. Mm. But that's okay because right now we're still continuing to plant those seeds and we're still keeping that going. Because if we stop, then like you know, who's to say that is ever gonna happen? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, honestly, what you said about letting it go is real. Um, this one stuck with me a lot at my aunt's um, exhibition. She started learning how to um, to become a blacksmith in New York. Wow. Um, she made like nine metal circles. She made it and she like welded it. She whacked that shit. Um, and and then after that, she would leave it out in on her fire, you know, the fire escape area in New mm-hmm. York. Whether snow, rain, sun, whatever, and let that rust naturally form. And she brought it into Singapore for her exhibition um, early last year. Mm-hmm. And that stuck with me so much. And what she said about it was like how like... And I was at a talk and she was saying... Honestly, you know, she loves... She, she went into pottery, she went into blacksmithing because... Mm. She liked to kind of like put all that force and see how it changed immediately kind of thing. Like she's an impatient woman. But leaving on that rust and letting nature take its course, about letting it go and seeing how that festers, that's mm. so real to me. And honestly, sometimes like it takes patience. It takes patience to create art. It takes patience to be an activist. It takes patience to be a human lah, in general. Yes. Um, Still learning. And, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and... It, that one stuck with me because, and it really taught me how to kind of like, okay, things do not need to happen in one month, two months, three months, one year, five years, ten years. In my fucking lifetime, mm. things may not shift, but hopefully something that I did, something that I pushed, um, helped a little bit. Because you're not just changing one thing. You're not changing like a furniture piece. Like you're not changing one piece. You're trying to change the motherfucking world. Mm. And... A little yeah, bit system goes that's been in so, place for so long. So, yeah, exactly. And yeah, because yeah, are you guys optimistic about it? Just waiting for the baby boomers to die, man. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I love you, baby boomers. <laughs> so I mean, those like are all our parents. 50, <laughs> 60, 70. <laughs> okay, like, I mean, die out of power and let us take in control. Trying to PC this shit up. <laughs> Bring on the culling. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. wait, what was the question? Are you guys optimistic? Or can you guys be optimistic think, about it? Yeah, I think that's kind of the only thing that we can hold on to. It's yeah, like, it's optimism hope. and hope. Yeah. Like, there's nothing. I really... Yeah. I, we do the work that we do. When the tank is dry, these are the two things that you guys hold the on to. The yeah. material of the tank is optimism <laughs> and hope. Yeah, right truly, now. truly. <laughs> but, I mean... You know, we just, just got to hope for the better. You'll never know. The future brings, like... Like, I've, I've really learned to stop trying to think what the future is. I mean, as mm. a strategist, sure, like, I got to plan how, like, in my custom acquisition pipeline, kind of shit like this. But other than that, like, it really is unknown. It's the future. Whether it goes to shit, whether it gets better, like, I won't know. But I guess, like, uh, yeah, just, just try, you know, fuck it. Oh, yeah, fuck it. Just go for it. I mean, based off the things that you guys have said, it sounds like, you know, with the legacy comes this generational gap, right? Mm. And it's impossible to recognize that, you know, it, that, well, how should I say this? That at some point, the, there is going to be a, a gap between us and the generation that's going to come after us. So I would say, like, 
you know, oh, I would like to ask, like, you know, with everything that Unset does, how then do you bridge bridge the gap, not just between the older generation and our generation, but also create a legacy that continues beyond to the generations that come after yeah, us? Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, human is- hum- issues that affect humanity are issues that affect everybody, right? So, mm-hmm. like, so, like, sorry, my phone just buzzed. <laughs> um, so, like, in a way, we're all connected. No, I mean, to, you know, very hippie language. But, yeah, we're all connected. Like, it's it doesn't matter, like, you know, if you're 40 or you're 60 or you're, like, 15 right now. Like, in a way, um, something like an issue like feminism, for example, like, everyone can relate to like no matter what age you are like as long as you you know have a vagina like or are female presenting like there are certain things that you will face in society or if you're um you know if you're queer then like that's also another thing so like i don't know i think that oftentimes i do find a lot more similarities with people who are um a lot older or younger than me and like we Mm. we can connect on that level because it's it's not like it's not specific to age you know it's not like i mean there are certain things that maybe like we talk about like the internet and certain things that we consume then that's very much like segmented according to what age group you are in but we were talking about something like what unsaid is trying to do which is trying to um bring attention to social issues that Mm -hmm. maybe people might not necessarily think is a problem or Mm -hmm. is like something that we need to solve in our in our lifetime um you know then I feel like we we can get everyone on board. It's not it's not a matter of I think like inclusive language is definitely super important. Like yeah. as as Tim mentioned earlier like yeah. um I think Gen Z is like a lot more um woke when it comes to that kind of stuff like right. and I find myself slipping up sometimes and like you know then I'm like the people who are much younger than me like looking at me weird. <laughs> what, <laughs> I'm like oh what let do you me mean catch by myself. Um, in terms of like slipping up, like um, for example, oh, like with gender pronouns, for example, that's mm-hmm. uh, something that I feel I don't ask people enough, like because I just assume that they're like a he or she. But then, um, like recently, I went we went to some like Pink Fest events and um, got to like make friends with some people who are like more part of the Gen Z generation, and mm-hmm. like um, and they you know, asked everyone what their pronouns were before, like, getting into more, like, deeper conversation. I thought that was really, like, thoughtful. And something that takes literally no time, you know? Like, it takes, like, five seconds. But it's, like, also, okay, great, thanks for asking, because just in case, you know, like, it makes someone feel a lot safer. I think it's about conceiving the thought to even do that in the first Exactly, exactly. Yeah, Yeah. it just completely slips my mind, you know, most of the time with, like, Mm. social interactions. But, yeah, like, I think think Gen Z's got it, man. (laughs) I have a... Okay, wait. Oh, sorry. No, no, please. <laughs> please, um, please, then. So polite. <laughs> yeah, hey, politeness is real. <laughs> Important also. Um, so people ask me, like, okay, so Ansel has three main pillars, right? Youths, arts, and, and um, advocacy. Mm. Um, and I mean, for a long time, like, not just, like, like the different iterations of the core team, like, we've struggled, like, which was more important and which is priority. And I realized that's, fuck, all three is priority. Mm. And that one, that's what, that's, that's what makes Unset very unique. So someone asked me like, okay, so when you no longer become, when you're no longer a youth, what's up? Yes. And 
I realized I thought about it and I really thought about this for a very long time and I was like and I've come up to a final answer that like I, I'm not sure if Nidia and I share so I'm just like it's my own like yes. my answer is I'm gonna just leave oh <laughs> this is how I see unsaid oh, that's as. interesting um, yeah. oh <laughs> I see <laughs> Well, this is awkward. (laughs) (laughs) Please, please continue. I believe in creating visionary companies. I believe in creating companies that can leave legacies. Mm. And I believe that when the time comes and I realize that I may not be the best leader for Unset and someone else may be better in letting it stick true to its core, like, I'll just step down uh. like I think my aim is to create a boss ass company that can outlive me mm-hmm. can outlive Nidia can outlive all the other people that's gonna join it and all the people before it like may it always like spread love and and thought and discourse yeah and accessibility um, but yeah I mean I realise and I'm I'm completely okay with it like my answer is if if I feel like I'm at a place where I may be causing generational gaps in unsaid and it's not becoming a platform for youths or young people, like I'll just leave lah. Like I think that is I guess like my love for the company and mm. my dedication to it, that leaving isn't a bad thing. Sometimes leaving means it's evolving to something else that you didn't expect but you also don't want to curb something like a, like the potential of what it could do mm. yeah cool <laughs> oh, sorry Nidia no no oh, all good. good I think you have I told me here's my resignation <laughs> no I mean like there was one <laughs> oops <laughs> there was one day uh, I remember we were walking um, at was it Henderson Waves or something like the treetops oh, and like right, right, right. it was really dark mm. it was like there were no I you remember know, this so around. romantic yeah. of us also a bit terrifying but right. then like he just like Tim just sprung up on me and was like do you want to take over on said I was like what <laughs> <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> and at the time, I was still at my previous job, like working full time, and I was just like, uh, I, mm, "Let me just think about this. Like, let me give you an answer, like in a second, <laughs> like maybe two days." Where did that question come come from, Tim? I believe that I've worked with many different people in Unset, and I mean, honestly, I am always grateful for them, and I will always be like, they set a foundation and taught me so many things that I would have never learned. Yeah. Um. It was really just about like I wanted people who want to take ownership of Unsaid. Like, should the time come and I fuck up and I don't know why, maybe I go overseas or I just like I don't know, snapped or you know, I was just being a selfish little fuckface. Like mm. I wanted people who were in the core team to take ownership. Like it's not that Unsaid's gonna die. Unsaid isn't Timothy's seat. Timothy's seat is the employee of Unsaid. Gotcha. And whatever branding and clout that it's built. It's not me. I mean, I talk a lot and I'm, I'm, I'm very like, like people see my face a lot mm. and like they associate, but I am not unsaid and I'm not the work and I'm not the values. I'm not the vibrations that it gives out to like the society and the community. Like unsaid should and hopefully is bigger than me. You're one than part one of the person. puzzle. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. I started building a past. I really hope someone else takes it up and continues. And I hope that, like, you know, when I'm 
an angel or demon <laughs> in hell. <sighs> like I'm gonna look up or look down and be like, hey, he's still alive. <laughs> yeah. Cool. And I'm. I mean, honestly, and Nidia has taken honestly so much control and ownership of Unsaid that there was so relieving to me I mean now working just purely on my startups and with like friends mm-hmm. with no like bigger shell like bigger company above me no like stable income or like whatever income I earn goes is for me and Nidia and, wh- and whatever other people we work with whoever other people we work with like yeah Nidia has been like amazing she's a photographer also if you oh need God. to look for this. <laughs> 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 Okay, my PR manager. Hello. <laughs> so, so, from my understanding, Unsaid also intends to have programs that goes beyond artistic presentations to an audience, but also has intentions for programs like the Spuds program, which sounds well, like it's quite closely linked to what you're talking about, building a legacy. I mean, the Spuds program is... Just an internship program <laughs> that we were like, we're super millennial and potatoes are such a big thing to us. Like, you know, you go already at 9gag. Like, they always end with like, sorry for a long post, here's a potato. <laughs> this was created last year and we just not wanted, like, we were just like in a whole slew of just naming things. But I mean, okay, the spa program for me was really, for us, um, was building people in in a way that benefited the, egos, the, uh, the ecosystem for arts industry, activist industry, Whatever industry, like essentially, like it was, it was never about we teach you. Yes, we've got had like our like our few years of experience, mm-hmm. right? But we're not anywhere like high level shit. Like that comes with experience, that comes with age, and that's not anything that I have. But what we can do is like we learn together, lah, and we grow together, and mm-hmm. you grow on a more short term basis. Like if it's just an internship period, if it's just a period, then you leave. But we wanna, we're very serious about it in the sense that like it's really targeted at youth education. Um, it's one that we've not really started. I mean, we're gonna. I think we will get there when we will definitely need like spots to come in. Mm. Um, I mean, I took a lot of the values I have there for like the intern that I have. Shout out John Ortega. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I thought the notion of tying it to potatoes was particularly interesting because I don't know if if that is all planned or was it just like a, a stroke of genius one night because do you, do you find it's easier to get messages across to like younger folks through the lens of humor or to, through the lens of like something relatable like that dying gag it's it's yeah it's on the internet people people look at it so yeah got it wait wait before I answer that question what do you think the potato means what do I think the potato means yeah uh, growth a sturdy um, hardy fruit or vegetable yeah that can survive in any kind of soil Mm. Shit, we're gonna go with that reason. Ooh, love it. <laughs> Our reason was purely because millennials love potato. <laughs> yeah, so, I, so it could be I interpreted a different way. Yeah. We will also add that in. <laughs> Thank you so much for that. You're welcome. <laughs> Collaborate. For real, if you read the deck, right, we wanted to give people a potato when they got <laughs> that, hired. That's, that, that is pretty funny to me, yeah. Because, yeah. yeah. So I thought you guys had that in mind and you guys wanted to, to I don't know, like subvert the expectation of, or something, yeah. I mean, I really don't think it was that deep. I mean, okay, definitely <laughs> we knew that we could go deeper. Yeah. But it was just honestly like fun and we wanted the internship to be more about like fun learning. Mm. I mean, it's work and work sometimes can be very dreading and it still is and sometimes it should be like, work should not always be like happy, happy, go lucky, like, 
like maybe you're not doing work maybe that's why <laughs> no, uh. um, but I mean we just wanted to kind of like that is the branding that we want to portray like we just chill but we're here to we're millennial we're here to work and fight and whatnot. but you know also like have a great time you know build friends make new friends make new connections things like that and and we didn't want to take everything so seriously yeah. in that sense yeah. so that's why it's called the Spats program and not internship gotcha yeah. Although I don't think I can put that in like SMU or all the like uni poly websites lah. But I'll try. <laughs> Actually, that's that's an interesting point because um like I was just thinking like what your thoughts were on bringing like it's terminology right internship or like a program apprenticeship. You know? yeah, yeah, it's different terminology. But how do you bring an idea to to someone to you know individuals or organizations that may already be, you know, biased or prejudiced towards a particular perception of things? Because we're if we're talking about like say like social change, or you're talking about activism. Your target audience is never going to be the one that already wants to consume the content you yeah. create, right? They, they, your real target audience is the people who are resistant to it, mm-hmm. right? Because that's how you really pursue social change. So I just want to hear what your your thoughts were on 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 facing such a, a huge challenge like that. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> we laugh because I knocked the glass bottle on my teeth and it's motherfucking painful. <laughs> um, interesting question. I mean... In terms of dissent, like, I don't think that's something that we shy away from necessarily. Like, um, if anything, we welcome it because it is a challenge. Like, it is, like, challenging our own views also and kind of, like, you know, people might have different experiences as well. So, like, their views might be different. But at the same time, I think it's about education. Like, first and foremost, it's, like, about educating people from, like, lived experiences, A, which is why plays are super, like... Um, they're they're really conducive for that kind of like messaging because yeah. you're watching something like happening in front of you um, and you feel the effects of it a lot more than you would if you were passively like reading an article or something like that. Um, but yeah, I think like it's it's definitely a challenge. It is, yeah, but I think you definitely hit it on the nail, and it's exactly why like arts is also so fucking important to us. Yeah. I think arts can be so many things. Um, and arts can also make things a lot more accessible. Um, whether people come in seeing it as a facade first and try to go deeper or what, like arts is essentially a dialogue between the artists mm-hmm. through whatever canvas that they, they are using, whether it's play, whatever form, whether it's play, canvas, dance and whatnot with the audience and how the audience interprets it. And which in a sense is like sharing combining all these different experiences and seeing a different thing every time but arts has always been always a very key pillar for us because like it's it helps to reach out it helps to reach out to people that maybe like if you go on social media and you see things like that um in 2016 we didn't really use the word feminism a lot because we knew that people who saw that word and people who we wanted to know about that word understand that term Mm. like they would see and they'd be like, ah, fuck it, I'm not going to read it. So, mm. like, we knew that, like, there were different ways. Like, every Singaporean daughter was a play on every Singaporean son, yes. things like that. Um, and we were... And honestly, this is something that we've kept quite consistent and strategic because, like, 
we definitely wanted to get people to a point of understanding. And it was really important for us to that the works that we put out were accessible. Like we were very specific. Like there are definitely other people who do different ways and how they and how they view art and how they mm. express art and things like that. But we we're very specific that we're taking this component and this this magic mm, of mm. art to use this for activism. And it's why like we always struggle with like these three key priorities, but they all exactly are the same. They work in different ways, but for each other, for our final outcome. Hmm. Well, this word accessibility has yeah. come up quite a fair bit now. Mm. Buzzword, buzzword. <laughs> and I guess, I guess you know, I would like to hear your perspective on what accessibility really means, and especially when you're running a business, you know, like a registered business, um, a company that runs as a business with from my based on my perception with a core and a theme that is generally you know oh well what i i assume is conventionally non-profit i think mm-hmm. bringing these two elements of business with accessibility could you could you talk a little bit about that yeah i think it mainly stems from like no matter what financial background or uh financial racial uh physical I think physical Gender, also that's really yeah. important that's yeah. something that we kind of um, forget health, sometimes yeah ableism so, yeah right exactly. like it's having <laughs> right exactly like all of these um, different intersections of identity like making sure that uh, we level out the playing field that it is our that the information or like the things that we put up are accessible to everybody like mm. it, it, you know even having a space that is handicap handicap accessible that's also important like you know because I mean, I think that's hard as well in Singapore because, like, it's a lot of the cheaper spaces tend to be, like, a little bit... Like, More difficult to get yeah, to. Yeah, a little bit less accessible because of, like, warehouses and stairs and yep. lack of oh, no, lifts and stuff. Stone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta build that ramp, man. Yeah, man. But, um, <laughs> yeah, stuff like that. And, and also education is a big one because I think language and, like, knowledge can kind of alienate people as well. And I think I'm noticing that more recently because, like, you know, as the both of us, we, we do quite a lot of reading and, like, um, on, like, academic papers as well as, like, writers, like, um, you know, Roxanne Gay and, like, all, all those, like, amazing writers. But, you know, other people might not have access to that material or mm. that language, that can't, that level of education necessarily, right, that it wasn't introduced to them very early on. So it might read very dry to them especially when you use like you know very chim language yeah um so like kind of just making it easy for everybody to understand and also like we don't really have to sound like we're fucking smart all the time like you know we don't have to use like crazy words that like don't make sense to anybody um so yeah i think that that to me is what accessibility is i mean i'm not gonna say that we've cracked the code on that I don't think we've always mm-hmm. been super accessible mm-hmm. um, we definitely I mean still it's always on the top of our mind minds um, but you know we're trying we're very aware that there are def- different types of activists out there yep. there are different types of arts and that once it kind of specifically takes a more understanding passionate compassionate um, patient activist combines it with a more like Mass, I won't say mass market lah, but a more and art art forms and artworks that tend to um, that 
even people who don't understand art or have is the first time watching art, yeah. um, like combining these two values, um, it's a very specific thing that we are doing. But we've been all like Nidia and I have always been very clear on this that the people we are reaching out to are not our peers, are not people that we we usually hang around with. They are mostly going to be people that don't agree with us. Mm. And I always believe that you know we understand like us very well the, like okay let's for like a lack of a better term that I can think of right now like the liberals right the liberals yeah. say we think we are, we're very aware of each other we know the values the terminologies so the, the aim is to get to this like major this like this silent majority who don't usually use this language who don't usually talk about these things who are sometimes not even like don't even know that these things exist yes um and and even those who don't agree with us, oh, up to them. Like we're trying. We, I feel like we've always got to understand why they're thinking this, what made them think this, and therefore, like recalibrate, re-strategize, and find a way to reach out to them, like to be that bridge in that sense. Um, and sometimes it just kind of means that, like, we don't shove a bitter pill. We kind of like a whole, like a mountain full of sugar for that one bitter pill kind of mm. situation, but. And I mean, that's why I say like in activism, it really kind of takes patience because you will get a lot of these stuff. And honestly, people are going to say that we're not pushing hard enough. People are going to say that we're not really pushing the envelope and whatever we say uh, we, we are trying to do. But the truth is, we're really just trying to reach the people that we don't often talk to. And we're trying to make a conversation. Like when Trump got elected, yes. I always wanted to, and I finally did, I'm, to meet like someone who voted for Trump. Mm-hmm. Just to like find out why. What was the conversation like? Wow. <laughs> a lot of things that honestly are now highly inaccurate now. What do you mean by that? Uh, hey, that's a very long like conversation <laughs> Please, and a yeah. long list of. I mean, they were talking about like economic growth. Like, oh, mm. he's not a political figure. That's why he's gonna shake things up. Like and promises things. and everything. Everything, mm. and I was just yeah. like, why? You know, like, and that's where Unset has always been. In that sense, like we've always tried our best. Like even for every single our first play. We kept the tickets like really like at fifteen dollars wow. for youths and twenty five dollars for normal people like adults. Normal, <laughs> normal people. people. Normal people. Not normal people. I mean adults. Uh, shit. Uh, just people who got no. I'm sorry. I love y'all. Like, if you could prove your youth, you could get the ticket. Like we didn't really check lah. Okay, you could have like completely like been like. 45 and then like <laughs> bought a ticket. Sure, you know, good for you. But if that brought you to a play. Talking right. about women issues in Singapore with right. like semi explicit like semi graphic scenes on rape and sexual assault with talk conversations on like on like interracial relationships like sure like if a fifteen dollar ticket is what got you there and when we did the survey because like we had to like report back like we realized that there was a very like thirty to forty percent of people who came in and they watched the play for the first time and that stat still like. And like keeps me going up to today because mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. I mean we were very obvious like, The first thing we knew that the first thing that would attract people is just low cost. Like, plays in Singapore can get to be very expensive, mm-hmm. and sh- yes, mm-hmm. because it's mm-hmm. not cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, and but it's why we went around like trying to like borrow and like bag, bag borrow steal. Yeah, well, yeah. no stealing, no stealing, <laughs> no stealing. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but. Yeah, so that we could at least get some sponsors in to alleviate the cost. Cost. And that, I guess, to me, is what accessibility is also. Like, you're just trying to reach out. 
well, as much as we can reach as far as your hand can reach mm. and hopefully someone even like a little fucking like pinky comes and wrap around your other pinky sure whatever connection that we can get it's a cute visual that's all we're trying to do right trying to impact as many people who don't agree with us to either change their opinions and hear from them because honestly I still learn a lot from them and what they mm. say and it really makes me sometimes question my activism my privilege and mm. things like this you mentioned privilege. So I'm just pretty curious to know what does privilege mean to either of you? Well, you got a damn good way to explain this. I'm going to let you do this. Oh, okay. Um, well, privilege, I th- to me, it's like privilege is like not seeing it. Privilege is like living your life, not having to think about your privilege because it is so invisible to you and that mm-hmm. you live your life like, for example, like a cis white straight man mm-hmm. is probably like currently the most privileged person like demographic in the world and it's like they don't really have a marker to measure what oppression feels like because they don't really feel it like maybe they they can if they are like also like you know they have um certain like disabilities that they can okay like Mm. use as a marker to measure oppression but like even then like it's something that you really just don't have to think about like it's it's like it's like a really, fish in water I mean, not realizing it's there in water. <laughs> no, no. I mean, honestly, and I agree. I like it. It's really something you don't have to think about. Mm. And mm. no one is saying that people who have privileges are living life easy. Mm. Life is shit That's generally. That's not the conversation. That's not yeah. the conversation. It's just that there are some things that society, that systemically exists that oppresses people and you may not understand it because you've never faced oppression and honestly good for you because oppression sucks yeah honestly congratulations <laughs> yeah and like nothing spiteful about that like privilege is privilege and no one who wants I remember someone said who wants to drop their privilege nobody exactly and you know what you were born with it you're blessed with it go for it but it's just about realising that it exists and there are people who don't have it and all you can, and really, people ask me, what the fuck can you do with privilege, right? What, what, what's the outgoal? Like, as a Chinese, like, male, what the fuck can I do? Like, raise awareness of it. Because, honestly, let's talk about race, right? Mm. Like, me talking to another Chinese person about racial issues may convince them more so than if someone of minority races mm. talked to them. Um, Honestly, me talking about women... When 2016, when I spoke about women's issues, I real, I felt like, yeah, I was getting fucking hurt. I realised, like, what the fuck? Why are my female friends not being hurt? Mm. I realised that coming also, like, me being a guy... Yeah. Has given me certain eases that I honestly didn't realise it until... Honestly, this, this year I was like, wow, I'm actually quite confident when I do work and talk to clients in business. Mm. Then I was like, oh, fuck, wait... Is this my privilege? And I will. I asked around, like, when like my female colleagues, mm-hmm. um, like when they talk about work, talk clients, and things like that. Like sometimes they have anxiety, but it's because sometimes like they were scared into this. Like they've gone through their own experiences, and sometimes like it's just not easier. It's like not easy for them. And I was like, damn. And that's really what privilege is, right? Mm-hmm. The whole conversation around privilege is that it exists. And our aim is to bring, kind of not bring everyone, don't bring everyone, I'm not trying to bring everyone down. I'm mm. not trying to lose privilege. Yeah, just not trying yeah. to increase privileges. <laughs> it's not yeah. the oppression Olympics So that more here. people cannot yeah. think about things. But it's really like, I feel like the conversation on privilege goes in like very haywire sometimes because people think that it's just like, oh, why are you trying to knock me down? Like, I was born with this. Like, why is it? It's not that. It's just that. It's why it's called privilege, right? It's just a, a bonus. And mm. 
we're not saying your life is any better. We're not saying that you aren't working. We're not saying You're that... You're coasting through life, basically. Exactly. Yeah. Like, you are motherfucking working hard. Okay? It's just that other people might sometimes need to work harder on certain things than you do. Mm-hmm. And you don't realise it and you don't know it. And it's... Well, it's not okay now, lah. I mean, look, like, acknowledge and see it. Like, it's a societal thing. It's actually, honestly, something that you can look around when you have conversations with people. Mm. I was at, like... um my friends Harry Raya open house and they were just like talking about race like um, racism and like like she was talking about racism with uncle and it was really casual and I was just like what what like firstly it couldn't even wrap I couldn't even wrap around my head that this was could be a conversation topic to people like this is some bad shit that happened to them mm. but it was also so casual that like there's an acknowledgement that it's it's so such such part of their everyday lives and I was like damn okay and I mean, we're just trying to make the world better. We're trying to give everyone more opportunities, more privileges, mm-hmm. you know. And, well, change the word privilege to opportunities and whatnot. Like, for us to become a point where, like, everyone has the same thing. Mm-hmm. Not in a very communist way, but in mm-hmm. the sense that we have equal opportunities. Mm-hmm. And I don't, like, mean, like, yeah, okay. Yeah, leveling you, out the playing field. Yeah, leveling yeah could up. you ele- <laughs> elaborate what that what really that means or like what you what your perception of social implications of doing such a thing would be mm, I mean it's like for example bottom of the totem pole being um, black trans women mm-hmm. um, you know like currently I think there's a giant gap between like the day to day lives of black trans women and um, you know, white straight men. It's like it's pr- it's quite jarring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so like, I feel like in terms of what we mean by like um, bringing awareness of privilege, as well as like leveling out the playing field and and using people of privilege using their platform to bring more awareness and also to uh, create a kind of conversation that maybe minority communities might not have the chance to access you know like so for example like you know me as a woman right maybe I will never hear like what men really think about women because Mm. I will just never be in that situation Mm. because if I'm in that room they're not going to say the thing you know Mm. right right um which is actually really funny because like recently <laughs> two weekends ago um, we went to like a should I talk about this? <laughs> the fish farm oh you can't tease us now <laughs> oh, I mean go can, for can it. you talk okay, about it? okay it was a situation um, where like a bunch of people uh, there are two levels where like a bunch of people at the bottom I'm not going to specify where mm. and I was like hiding on top and um, I overheard this one guy being like where are all the independent women where are all the strong where are the strong women who say that they want to you know they want to do shit like where are they now and I'm like I'm right here <laughs> <laughs> just a little voice from the top let me paint this motherfucker like honestly these are like older men and yeah. you know, they were trying to be whoa and trying to use the language okay they're like you know that like, because basically we were inside the pond like What's the point? dirty ass okay we're just saving <laughs> fishes oh, oh, okay. well, this is a really whole other story <laughs> we're just like we caught fishes we're trying to bring it up right and they were like oh it's, it's mother it's dirt I was there it's dirty words it's dirty work it's heavy it's tiring 
and then they were like, oh, really you know why they why no women here coming there? I'm like, dude, they are filling up the upstairs pond, right? So that we can put the fishes somewhere so they don't die. You want Life to carry givers. the why? They are also <laughs> carrying the water. Mm. And this month, like can pails and like giant Toyogo boxes of water. You go try, you go fill a Toyogo box on, you see you can carry yourself. Mm. Yeah, mm. so this one thing that um so it was Sandra and I who like were carrying buckets of water. And at one point we looked at each other and we're like, it's not that we can't do it is that we won't <laughs> yeah and I was like we know women know pain yeah. like we have pain and pain but in also, our like, they were also helping and carrying water from point A <laughs> to point B mm. so the fish also don't die like, everyone has a part to play exactly just because so happens play. that yeah. there were no women in that pond and there were other women upon other days also like mm. just because that, that happened like don't like just because you don't see just because you don't see it does not mean it doesn't exist <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh, I mean, okay, like, privilege got really interesting for me and very real for me when my grandfather had a stroke and, like, you know, he has to be on a wheelchair and mm-hmm. he's wheelchair-bound. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I realised that my grandfather can no longer walk up the staircase mm-hmm. to go to his room and he's been sleeping there for, like, 40 years. And, like, to go up there, we have to spend, like, 15 to 20k on a on a, mm. a lift thingy yeah. up the thing to go up my grandfather can't come to my workplace because my workplace has no ramps 21 moonstone mm-hmm. and there's a random pole in the lift <laughs> yeah, a random pole I mean okay I'm pretty sure they'll take it out and ask for them because my grandfather's coming but the fact that someone has to plan yeah, their route Mm. Like someone I don't have to play right? Like jump through A staircase Sure <laughs> But like It's an inconvenience It is It's a huge And I don't see it But he does Yeah, yeah. And when I push him around I do Because like How am I going to bring this There's this giant It's not as easy Like I can park the car Anyhow And then we can like Slowly go there mm. I've got to park the vehicle Like where he can Get off first Then I can go park somewhere In case I need to jump over Something or whatnot. Yeah. yeah So it's not so much about Making life difficult For people with privilege But making life easier For yeah. people without Those privileges Definitely Yeah Definitely Like a ramp Is not going to make Someone who's able Make their life Even more difficult it makes the route slightly longer, but like, look, got staircase at the side. Like, it's just an additional thing that mm-hmm. we can always look out for. For sure. Which is, yeah. Please go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. Um, no, because, like, in a way, if you don't have these kind of amenities, it's almost like you're not considering that population of people at all. And you're not, mm. like, it's like they don't exist or that, like, they don't deserve to be here or something like that you know what I mean like I mean it sounds dramatic but like from that perspective like it could very much feel that way because like for example if you're if you're um, if you need a wheelchair to travel like going to places where majority of places don't have ramps that are accessible to people who are handicapped and like you know don't have certain like amenities then they're going to be like oh okay well clearly like it's not made for me you know like so in a way like it's it's putting them further down, like yeah. you know, as like, much as like society already does. You just cause they are minorities and you may not see them all the time does not mean they don't exist and they are not real. They are real. Well, I mean, physical accessibility aside, mm. um, if we were to talk about say ideological differences, mm. right? Where we have minority races with ideological differences mm. between, you know, individuals where it's a little less, you know, less of a, like a binary, right? Because like making life more accessible for someone who's physically disabled may not inconvenience someone who is, you know, who's not physically disabled. But when we're talking about, you know, um, ideologies where 
one individual may have a differing ideology which challenges or you know has an inverse effect on another individual then how does that conversation go about negotiating between these two individuals who have to exist within the same space but with differing ideologies firstly how does i mean okay look my first thing is always let's talk about race okay there's this story that i'm going to borrow from my friend because um it happened recently to them um they brought um an indian friend of theirs back home and um and their mom was like is that your friend or is that your like special friend and whatnot and just cause like and she immediately judged him mm. well uh, on his race mm. and I'm and so when that is that level I mean I'm so happy I'm so proud that like my other friend stood up um, for him but like at the same time like how does someone like how like if an Indian person walked into this room right now, right, how does this Indianness affect me? It does not. It does not change my way of thinking. <laughs> he just is existing <laughs> next to me. And that's right. what I don't get about like like we can have different ideologies, but hey, there are fucking many people, right, who prove that you can have different ideologies and live and coexist and even get married together. Like there is a way to go through around it. Your personal beliefs does not need to be imposed on other people. It's yours. And they have their own set. Whether it's similar or different to yours, it's their own prerogative. And like, yeah, it does not affect me at all. Unless they choose to impose on it, then sure. But just don't impose lah. Like, have a conversation, have a discourse. Like, be open to taught to realizing that powers exist and let's try to remove it and have a proper heart-to-heart conversation. Right. Do you think do you think that that's um like tolerance? Is that what you're saying? Oh I hate the word yeah, tolerance. No, okay, oh please why, why, please yeah. elaborate. Yes. <laughs> why the fuck do I need to tolerate you? Right. It's about acceptance. It's about yeah. being I I feel like tolerating makes it seem like something something is off and something is wrong. Yeah. Mm. Yes. You know, it's about acceptance Like, look, you exist And you're next to me mm. And you have your own beliefs And we live in this land and whatever And that's, and that's acceptance in itself Just saying, right. acknowledging that someone exists And is there and have their own Set of beliefs, values and whatnot And what makes them a person Like, why do we need to tolerate Other races' cultural practices? Mm. It happens, accept it accept And it. like Live your own life. No one's asking you to join Taipu Sam. No mm. one's asking you to go to Hari Raya open houses. No one's asking you to come to Chinese New Year. Like, if you don't want to go, don't go. Like, mm. really, mm. you've got complete control over your own life. And no one says otherwise. And it's problematic when someone starts imposing and taking away rights of other people. Do you, do you think that acceptance is a problem in Singapore? And if so, then how does how does how do we bridge that? You know, mm. I mean that is the question. That is the question that, is the that question. we are trying to figure out. Yeah. And generations above us Truly. also have tried. I think like in Singapore, we find more tolerance than we do acceptance. Because like, mm. especially with the older generation, and like you know, we are a multicultural city, so it's like, okay, la, we tolerate like that there are 
as you know freaking older Chinese generation we just don't talk about it yeah exactly but then you look at all the people they hang out with and they're all Chinese you know Mm -hmm. so it's like well clearly you're you know what you say doesn't translate in your actions right and yeah exactly what I got I got an analogy Mm -hmm. so I mean um, I was brought up in a Christian household and things like that so um, during the the Hungry Ghost Festival and Mm. people would burn Joss paper and things um we would walk past, tolerate, and sometimes even like hold your breath because you don't breathe in the smoke. Gotcha. What not? And I saw, I saw that as tolerance. Like, and you would go home and like make snide remarks with him. Like, ugh, burning paper again, yep. making everything smoky. Right. And that, that I think that is very revealing of this idea of tolerance. And I think right. when I when I was started realizing it, I was just like, hey, yo, what's up? Like, they're just doing this because they believe that this. Is this, this is their system of belief This is their religion And I realised that Like when I could accept that They really truly Wholeheartedly believed in it Like who was I To impose anything Even like Egotistically onto that Even though it's internal Like really That's just your ego speaking mm. Like your ego is just like Ugh Just cause they are not like me Like they are problematic No man Like everyone is different You are different And That's all about acceptance yeah. Yeah, and speaking of ego, I think that is like if talking about like the work that we do, right? Like and to answer your question as to like how do we bridge that gap? I think the one thing really is to like we need to teach people how to remove their egos from themselves. Not just people like, who don't agree with us honestly. Right, like people who yeah, have the same similar values like sure, even definitely. as activists, we need to remember to just Shut off that ego Because What your form of activism And you believe Just because it's right Doesn't mean it's right For someone mm. else Like I mean The call out culture Sometimes gets really Toxic Toxic could Yeah you, I think Could you elaborate more About the Call out culture Yeah So like For example If you were to Okay I mean a call out Like Oh it's happening <laughs> Okay For example If like uh, Tim were to say Like Uh a word like you misuse a word like maybe say the word retard and I'm like hey man that's not cool don't do that but like instead of like instead of creating a conversation as to why he shouldn't use that word I'm like putting him on blast on the internet and being like Timothy seat use gotcha. the freaking R word and like yeah. cancel him you know if, like that kind of thing um, like you know okay like when uh, there's this one case I'm like now remembering like Kim Kardashian yep. um she posted a photo of herself with um, Northwest, Who's Nori, um, her daughter gotcha. that she has with Ka- her first, her eldest daughter. She had, uh, she has with um, Kanye West. Gotcha. Um, posted her with braids, mm. with her daughter posing with her daughter, and a lot of people like. And I mean, this is real. Like, I mean, don't cultural culturally appropriate braids. You know, there is the whole history behind it. Go learn it. But she posted, and everyone started calling out her. And I saw, and I, I mean, look, it's true. She has done this before, and it is problematic. And like it, She got flamed And all that I mean the usual amount Because honestly She gets there a lot <laughs> But then when she was like Yeah but I did it Because my daughter Wanted me to do it Her daughter Who is Half Who is black Armenian and white Who is of mixed heritage Trying to understand Her own history With hair and braids mm. Wants her mother To share in that experience Like do you realise Like you're honestly Shaming Someone who's just Trying to be A good mum Trying to also hopefully, I mean, hopefully teach us something more about her hair, yeah. her biology, and the history behind all of this. Like, I'm not saying that Kim Kardashian is perfect and like on all that. Like, mm, definitely so problematic. problematic. <laughs> but <laughs> do we overthink things sometimes? Yeah, I mean, and sometimes like 
look, we just took it at immediate face value just because it's a social media post there. Mm. We're not willing to kind of be a little bit more patient and see how. I mean, I'm not saying that maybe she would have told us the story, but yep. like, fuck man, it's, she's just trying to be a great mom for mm. her black kid yeah. who needs to also go through a whole different other issues that she may, may have happened because she's born into today's society. Would you would you think that, you know, with acceptance comes this need for education, but not just education, but education with compassion? Oh yeah, definitely. I think we need education yeah. with compassion to get acceptance. For oh, that's sure. the equation right there. <laughs> for <Wow>. sure, no, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, because like anger, people. I do believe in anger to a certain extent. No, definitely, and it's valid. Yeah, anger is definitely valid, but to a certain point, I think it can also be really counterproductive because no one really listens to anger like people listen t- uh, to quote Toro Imoa <laughs> people only listen to you when you speak your soul <laughs> wow <Whoa. laughs> <laughs> love you Chaz <laughs> that comes from comes within art do you think mm, yeah I mean in a way like art has actually done a lot more than like I mean, well, no, that, I can't, I can't really make that statement. Well, but, yeah, I mean, but it can be. It's one of the things. But it has proven to have... Help. Yeah, to have pushed To movements. be accessible. To be yeah. a very great communicative tool for activism. And, yeah, like... Anger is valid and anger is real. Like, yes, you should be angry at your oppression and your repression. All this kind of shit. Um... I guess maybe this is more targeted at those who call themselves activists. Mm. Like, it is a valid way and it is a valued strategy. Um, but just sometimes, like, also, like, be aware, I guess. Like, be aware and still be ready to dig it out. Like, let's not keep shouting at people who who may not deserve it sometimes, I guess, in that sense. I guess, I mean, this is the part where it gets very interesting with me and with activism. Like, we we're, we're blurring the lines a lot more. It's not it, like activism isn't binary. It's not left or right, right or wrong. It's essentially about the entire human race, and I think you just always got to see it in the big picture, la. And but sometimes like, and anger may blind us sometimes, and. But I mean, for me, you know what? Sometimes it's okay. Like it's valid. It's real. Everyone gets angry at times, also. So. Yeah. Do you think that use today with social media of Instagram and Facebook and in particular with cloud culture, do you think that they are being rewarded via perhaps social status by calling someone out that they get to 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 play the part of an activist part time even? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's huge. Um I mean there's a part of it where it's like it it's quite passive, like as as a way of like people who call themselves activists and all they do is like call people out online and like drag mm. them to filth. Um, like in a way, yes, that there, there is labor in people who like do that. But if you're not trying to continue a conversation, but rather you're trying to like shut someone up and you're trying to just like, you know, like can- the whole thing with cancel culture, you know, like, oh, this person said this one thing one time, they're cancelled, you know, like as if like that person cannot have any more. Or even in their past. Yeah, yeah. from their yeah, past. Exactly. Ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Very <laughs> relevant. So many examples. <laughs> Very relevant. Um, but yeah, like, pe- I think like we also need to like give people the chance to grow and to learn from their mistakes. Like, no one is, 
you know, indebted to like who they were five minutes ago. Like, yeah. you know, mm. you can, especially with attitudes and perceptions, I think that's something that's ever changing. Like, it's maybe you said something like six years ago and that's really harmful, but then like, you know, today you might have different views and like your perspective on it might also shed some light to some people who need to hear it, you yeah. know, and like create a kind of conversation that people have never really had before. So, yeah, I, I don't really think cancel culture is productive. It's it's yeah. quite I mean, it really harmful. goes back to this idea <laughs> yeah. of patience. Like, give people a chance to prove you wrong. Give, give people a chance to grow. And and let them grow in their own time as well. Like it's, you're forcing a lot of... You're trying to change a lot of core beliefs in people. And that takes a fuckload of times. They had, like, from five to 20 years to... De- like, to even, like, 60 years to develop this. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, maybe just pushing them in the right direction is better than nothing. We can't... It sucks, like, look. It, it, it sucks. <clears throat> and people who, who have faced oppression, it's angry, it's frustrating. You know, I think that's where a lot of the anger comes from. Like, why do they get the chance to, like, take their time to figure what I go through out? Yeah. And look, it's real. But at the same time, like, like I said, like, it's not a easy task ever. Change, change a lot, a lot, a lot of things, and not even just like one person, and you know, whoa, and all this kind of stuff. And you really should, I guess. I mean, in that sense, that's that almost that almost what I would call like an emotional sacrifice. Like you're really trying to counter your frustration and anger, and trying to think what could be the most productive for them. Mm. And that's really not an easy task, and that's not always like, I guess the most fun but that's also very real like you threw something you squirted them with a little bit of water and I'm like kind of <laughs> see something grows and if it doesn't like I don't know like it's really up to you it's valid um, but sometimes also it could just be it could make things more difficult um, I mean yeah I mean that's also on the talk on like accessibility and stuff also not always shouting and being angry and saying you're wrong 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 yeah I have, a, I have a pretty uh, curious question. With the advent of the internet and the way things are progressing, technology is only going to get more invasive t- into our personal spaces and it's not going to go anywhere from, from here on forth. So uh, as well, we're talking about holding people accountable with their, their, their past mistakes, mis- quote-unquote mistakes and the things they've said before because they were of a different mind space they didn't know. What are your thoughts on that? Isn't it a really scary place? Because anything that you said, anything that you posted online, could it could, could be could be dug out by people who just want to, I don't know, just troll you, just just to see you go down. Yeah, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, look, I mean, I'm not even entirely sure if I had like I've had. I mean, I'm no, I'm not even entirely. I'm I'm fucking sure <laughs> that I was problematic in the past. Same. Um, and look, everyone was at one point or another. You, no one is perfect. And also this idea of problematic kind of changes over time and mm. it gets more diverse and inclusive. Um, but it's growth. Lah. Like who I am today, it's not who I am like, like two, even a week ago, man. Wow. Like honestly. And allow myself, and allow me to make mistakes and learn. You know, like through this process, like, I definitely fucked up, but you know what? I try my best to learn and see what the, I've seen. I'm still, sometimes still fucking on the same thing, lah. But <laughs> it's about growth more than anything. We're trying to grow, and we're not. And there's no way you can grow shit fast. Like, 
like Yang likes to say, like you know, gardening is the, uh, gardening is insane, man. You gotta be damn patient, like. Gardening is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Like, <laughs> the water because the plant looks like it's dying. But honestly, the next day you squirt water, it still looks like it's dying. And maybe like two weeks later, like, oh, it's finally alive. Oh, two weeks later, it died because you squirt too much water. <laughs> honestly, and that's the whole part of our future. You really can never predict. So you just yeah. gotta do what like you feel is the best for you at that point. Yeah, but yeah, but also I think holding people accountable. Um, it's also important because of like in a way like minority communities have like already faced a lot of shit right yeah. like, for, <laughs> like for a long time for people who like have depending on like what your identity is like mm. and what your experience and where you grew up um, and maybe we're specifically talking about this one incident that happened you know not very long ago um, Ooh, what is it like <laughs> spill <laughs> the tea uh. <laughs> are you guys able to share or is it uh, yeah, sure, I don't care. I have no fucking clue what you're talking about. I'm talking about cash. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, 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 yeah. okay. I have yeah. thoughts. Yeah, you know, what's, I mean... What's the context of it? Um, so, Tosh uh, had his tweets dug up from like six years ago. Um, it was very homophobic. So, yeah. Tosh, Tosh Rock, one of the actors and personalities in Singapore, he was he got famous also in Our Boys to Men and mm. all that in franchise. Um, he was this year's... Uh, yeah, we in 2019 <laughs> um, original lineup of Pink Dot ambassadors, yep. and someone dug up old tweets that he had that was very homophobic, and I can't exactly remember what they were, but I saw them and they're like, "Ayo," um, and the whole thing was that like, I mean, like you know, how can someone who said this six years ago be a Pink Dot ambassador now? Like, are you sure you changed all this? And um, what happened was that he, I mean, there was a lot of backlash, and then he finally stepped down. Mm. And I mean, I see two things with this that I wish had happened but didn't. And you know what? Fine, we learn lah. I wish number one that um, that Tosh apologized, and like, look, yes, I said it, and I will take responsibility for it. He but did. he, yeah, oh yeah, he did. Sorry, and he, he did. did. Yeah, no, no, no. I remember this. But mm. then carry on that journey with Pink Dot as an ambassador, because that would show so much. Like that change, right? is gonna be so relatable to so many people mm. in Singapore. Mm. Like, we all have been homophobic. We live in a heteronormative society. Even I have been homophobic at one point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, it's real. Like, and, but look, it's okay. I'm, I've changed for the better, and mm-hmm. I changed to be more inclusive and diverse in my actions. Um, and I wish that he had carried on to prove people wrong, that it's okay to have made fuck-ups in the past, but to stand up now for the cause mm. and like number two is I wish people forgave him after he apologised um. because I mean what else do you really want him to do right because honestly right if he said this and someone else did people was going go be a Pink Dot ambassador which he is <laughs> yeah was yeah um, well, yeah. my thoughts are a bit different from yours I think and like it's more of like it's okay to have diverse opinions <laughs> yeah 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 and yeah I mean we have this all the time we don't agree with each other um but I think, like, I saw his apology video and I was like, oh, like, honestly, it was, like, such a, like, huge sigh because, like, it felt like he was making it about himself when it, in actuality, it was like, you know, you said these things in the past and, like, yes, maybe that's not who you are now. But unfortunately, like, because you have this platform and, you know, quote unquote clout that, yeah. like, the things that you said in the past, like, may have an impact on your audience and and people who listen to you, you know, and people who are avid fans of you. Um, Maybe, like, six years might be a bit much of a stretch, but at the same time, it's like, 
as you know, the queer community has already gotten so much shit, you know, and lived through a lot of that. Yeah. So in a way, it's almost like reparations, you know. It's not really crazy to ask for, and I think like the apolog- apologies are necessary, but also like the way that you apologize tends to like is also important because like if you end up making it about yourself, then mm. like the community is not really going to like bite back. Yeah. Like, right. cause they can tell, you know, yeah. especially if you're going to like use your, own a PR and, move, yeah. but, mm. I mean, I wish he had cried, apologized <laughs> and then still been an ambassador. I feel like there would have been a lot of different circumstances after that. Would it have I made mean, a better story? Maybe it would make, it would be so much more relatable to a mm. lot of other people though, who are trying to be more, Educated to get more woke, who are trying to be more woke, or who have been the silent, silent neutral, and mm. are trying to maybe like lean more towards us or something. I mean, one one example that actually I related back to this was something that happened to us recently. So we both were with Narel, and like um, there was something that she had mentioned about the Sudanese conflict. That um, that people of that com- of like the Muslim community had thought was very insensitive. And I mean, I agree. There was definitely it was like, and like definitely it was also through layers of privilege and also not understanding the whole situation. Mm-hmm. And what we did as a management team was kind of like, okay, you know what? This is what we've got to do. We've got to apologize first. And we've mm-hmm. got to be sincere. And I mean, and Narelle on her own also through that day after she had posted and people started DMing her about it. Mm. She opened up for to a lot of people having conversations. So what we did on our side was, look, look, um, Narelle, you've like this is what you said. This is what people felt. It is valid. It is real. Let's apologize for it. And we did. The next thing we did was also like share her conversation she had with the people, the, the people that she had DM'd her to show also her process of growth. Mm. And then from there, kind <clears> of <throat> raise awareness to the issue at hand. Raise like, like she, um, she had swipe up links to GoFundMe sites to that would help, was helping the cause, things like that. And, this is what I wish people would do, you know, when like when you make a fuck up. And it's okay, yeah. mistakes happen and this mm. is really how we learn. Mm. And even mistakes to public figures, they happen in a more public setting. And sure, your anger is all that valid. So I just wish that, you know, I mean, at this point also, like, fuck up, sure. I mean, but just kind of use that for something bigger that is not just for you, but really for the community that you're in. Would you say that with our generation, the generation below us, would you say that we have a very high bullshit meter? That we can tell what's yes. bullshit, yeah. like, what's a marketing ploy? Yes. Definitely. Yeah. I think we're less numb to that. Mm. And I think yeah. we are able to see what's more authentic and sincere. I don't know how, and I honestly haven't really analysed this part yet, but yeah. like, I think like we have, and maybe the internet has taught us also, because we see a lot of bullshit there. Mm. Yeah, like We can tell what, what is bullshit yeah, and what is something like a brand trying to sell or something, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, and that's a, yeah. w- would you see that as a problem like brands trying to speak the, the language of the millennial they're trying to appeal to certain mm. social political causes that you mm. know that this particular brand might not even care for work advertising oh, for sure. yes. yeah. Yeah. No, so real and like hey sometimes my specialty <laughs> what do you mean by that <laughs> um, please elaborate no, I mean look there's definitely a lot of companies right now using activism as a way mm. to penetrate to millennial mm-hmm. to, to millennials to generation Z's and Okay, this is where I stand. I, I don't think it's perfect. I think it's to grow. It's a new thing, honestly. You're not We don't often get to see this on such a large scale. There's become a, almost a segment in the marketing uh, industry. 
But I think it is cool because we are still at this point raising awareness. I don't think it's perfect. I mean, you know, the whole Pepsi and Kendall Jenner yes. shit. Yeah. But also like, you know, I want to acknowledge the value of trying. Like, oh. yes, it's for capitalist reasons and it's problematic. But like, I'm happy that marketing can evolve to there also. And also now be, and I see now so many real ass marketing campaigns from boutique um, companies like doing real social work and like trying to spread real representation like and to me that is great i mean and but through this journey you know like some companies will fuck up and it's what they do next that i think is going to matter the most yeah no i agree with that it's like if you're going to make money out of us like what how how are you going to give back you know like yes because especially with like um you know for example companies that use uh, feminism like Dove for example like mm. to pander towards um, people who want to who would look at it and be like oh my god Dove is amazing what a great brand like next time I go to the drugstore I'm going to get Dove mm. um, but at the same time like as a, cor- as a large corporation like you making money out of minority communities like and then just kind of ending it there and like you know that that to me is like what we need to change and what we need to shift out of but like also, like, not saying that we should also, a you know, boycott these brands necessarily, but also, like, bring attention that, like, there are other things that they should and can do, like, as a company. Because maybe that's not something they think of in their business meetings. I don't know. Like, it doesn't reach their KPIs or something. Maybe mm. different departments. Yeah, even. you know, exactly. So, like, also, like, who they hire is important, like, yeah. in, in kind of hiring more people from minority communities. Um, but... Also re-strategizing, you know, like how can you as a company that earns like millions of dollars every year, like contribute like some small percentage to like um, a charity or a grassroots organization so that, you know, they can continue to do their thing and you actually put your money where your mouth is instead mm. of just like. Yeah. No, I agree. At least for me, oh, with Dove, I mean, there is, and you can definitely research on this, there is still some issues that, I mean, inside the corporation that they, they, they really got to fix. Um, at least you know what we're putting our money some marketing dollars into awareness of some social issues Mm -hmm. maybe not perfect but still a little bit helpful yeah that's where I'm at so showing that little showing showing the thought process and going just a little bit further than just selling product putting something on the poster or something that helps yeah yeah because ultimately like the fear for me personally is that like activism will just become a trend mm. yeah. and like in 10 years you know people are going to move on to Do another something trend else. Yes. yeah and it'll just completely phase out and all of a sudden you know movements like you know fe- like feminism black lives matter all of a sudden just like die out because <laughs> it's not popular I mean, you know? anymore yeah it is definitely interesting now because activism is definitely seem to be a little bit more trendy now everyone wants mm. to jump on that bandwagon but you know activism is also it's about human issues right I mean okay like animal activism also got, um, <laughs> I mean but okay but social activism and all this is about human issues yeah. and human issues are complex and nuanced and it's exactly what activism is it's complex and nuanced it's not yeah. one key frame one like one key structure it's a lot a lot a lot of ways and we can't even as activists we can't always impose what we think works best I would like to wrap up this conversation with just one final question. Yes. Um, what is... In, in, in both of your opinions, what does it mean to be human? To what? To be human. <laughs> <Wow>. To what? <laughs> oh, you need to go for anything. 
Complex because, because you were talking about yeah. uh, both your experience, social political issues. You even spoke about how nuanced everyone's experiences. So mm. I'm just particularly curious as to what that definition means to you. To be human, yeah. To be, I think, is to live a liberated life. Yeah, that that would this freedom and liberation. In choices. Yes, Just yeah, in, you in to do. definitely, and your cho- choices, but not saying that you know you're free to be a murderer, mm. but like freedom in the name of like love and compassion, and like not the other spectrum where you know you start cults and you murder people. I mean, like, don't, um, do um, don't do bad, that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Freedom That's what, to be accountable for your decisions. Yeah, definitely, definitely. That's what freedom of speech will get you. Is cults, um, but I think it's. To be able to not just liberate yourself, but also liberate everybody else with you, yeah. Because I mean, that's to just liberate oneself is like okay, you're just living life for yourself. But like, I think to be human is like to also not just think for yourself, but to think of all of humanity and to like kind of see how we can like make this place better for everybody. Could activism be considered a cult? Hmm. Not really, because well, it depends. Yeah. We depends. don't have a share. Like, De- yeah, because I mean, depends if the movement has a leader. Gotcha. But I think a lot of movements nowadays it's are still quite quite split, and there's no, a lot yeah, of activism everywhere. Yeah. So like, it's quite yeah. Because like that's kind of what is important to remember about activism is that it is non-hierarchical. Mm. Like, yes, there are community organizers because you know every movement needs organizers, but like. They're not any better than anybody else. Like mm. you know, they don't gr- they don't have more access or more benefits. It's visionary, right? Like yeah. the whole idea of ex- activism is visionary. It's mm. about building something that lasts legacies above all the people that are fighting for it now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. Wait, to be best? human. To, to be, be human. What is your answer to? <laughs> I think like it's a complex situation, right? Mm-hmm. And I think to be human first is to really start with yourself. And to accept everything about who you are and who you are as a person, whatever, like biological, mental, physical, how you feel, how you think, like all your experiences, like that makes you, you. And I mean, I cannot really figure out, and I've questioned this, but essentially it just is. And like, I mean, it's wanky, but like to be human (laughs) is really just to be human. Can I just add one more thing? Please. That was such a fucking nice mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> such a fucking great way to end the motherfucking podcast here. And that's why she's going to be the new director yeah. of us. Shit, visionary <laughs> company. <laughs> to be human is to shit and fart. That's it. Mic drop. Nick, you never made a mic drop. Like you go say mic drop after that. <laughs> And where can people find you guys? Um, find the projects that you. Oh my do. god! Wait, wait. We just started our Instagram. <laughs> yeah, follow it. We don't oh have god, any. We're super excited about this strategy, but we we're not posting anything. Only Insta stories. Um, but you can check us out on like Unset Limit. Okay, it's just at Unset Ltd. Like you, like Unset, like not said. U N S A I D. LTD. <laughs> also, please remember to follow at Narelle King <laughs> <laughs> and at Yenga Meister underscore. Oh and, and and where are these two coming from? <laughs> I mean, just other world also, just like Meister. <laughs> He's their PR manager. 
All right, thank you, Tim. Thank you, Nidia. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Thank you, thank thank you for, for listening. <laughs> wow, we just had a twin moment. Thank you for right. listening. <laughs> Thanks, guys. See you on the next episode. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode and feel inspired. Don't forget to keep posted for the next one. And if you really liked what you got, give us a follow.